Welcome back to the True Transformation Podcast. This is your host, Josiah Novak, owner of the truetransformation.com and author of the book, Diet Suck. Today, I have a very special guest on the show. His name is James Smith, and uh, he's one of the most popular health and fitness professionals online today. Been uh, meaning to connect with James for quite some time now, and I'm glad we finally did. Uh, He has a book coming out at the end of the month. It's called Not a Diet Book. Uh, He's also gathered quite a large following over the past few years just due to the fact that his humor combined with his ability to make health and fitness simple and the fact that he's not afraid to call out BS uh, has really gathered him a massive following. So I want to get him on the show because his content is great. Uh, it's, it's valuable. And it's also someone I, I suggest you connect with. Uh, so we had a chance to sit down. We talked about his book that's coming out. Talked about the book writing process. Um, talk about the industry as a whole, the health and fitness world right now, where we stand. Um, and we also talk about how to get in the best shape of your life in 2020 with ways that are actually going to be sustainable. The approach that James suggests will help you tremendously uh, when it comes to setting goals, accomplishing those goals. And ultimately, winding up in a place where you're happy, healthy, confident, and you're able to sustain the health and fitness lifestyle that you want. So before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder, be sure to check out our free health and fitness guide, the Look Good Naked Guide. If you're trying to look better, feel better, improve your confidence, improve your health, improve how you look with your shirt off, all those great things, go check that out. It's lookgoodnaked.co. It's our ultimate guide, the step-by-step playbook on how to set up your nutrition, how to set up your workouts, and it's all free. So go check it out, lookgoodnaked.co. All right, without further ado, let's jump into today's interview with James Smith. Welcome to the True Transformation Podcast with your host, me, Josiah Novak. Welcome to the podcast. Here's my daddy, Josiah Novak. What's up, brother? I'm glad you're here, man. Glad we Thank finally connected. Thank you very much for having me. Sorry, I was doing the most British thing in the world beforehand, having a <laughs> cup of tea with my friend's parents. So I'm a few minutes late, but I'm here. Well, it's funny because I was, I was just in London uh, two months ago, and um, it was my first time. And I met a bunch of guys I know over there. Uh, I think you know a couple of them, like Jamie Alderton, uh, some other folks. And uh, they were making fun of my, how, how un-British I am. And uh, the tea, the tea and crumpets. Uh, <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a stereotype. It, we, it's only when we leave England that we realize how British we are. Um, but yeah, we, Jamie's a good guy. Um, what do you think of the UK when you were here? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It reminded me a lot of like Boston and which of course, you know, stems from a lot of European descent. So of course it, it should remind me, but uh, New York as well. Uh, it, it, it was actually a lot more, a lot smaller, I guess, kind of like cramped than I anticipated, uh, the roundabouts and the traffic and everything. It took me literally, so I got a hotel about five miles from where I was supposed to meet some friends the first night I was there. And I thought five miles should take me, you know, 15 minutes. It took me like an hour. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. holy shit. When we go, when we come to America, we're like, oh my God, the roads are so big. Your trucks are so big. <laughs> like, uh, to us, it's the, it's the opposite, yeah. Yeah, but it was amazing. Actually, the one thing that I took away from London uh, was the food quality. I don't know if you've, I'm sure you've been to the States a few times, but the food quality over there was so much, at least, it, it, it maybe didn't taste like it was that much better, but the one thing I, re- I really realized after eating was the next day, I felt 
amazing. Like I never felt like uh, I'm, I'm not a great dairy guy. I can't eat a lot of sweets and things like that. But over there, I, it was my birthday. So I was celebrating, I was eating whatever. And, um, I had uh, ice cream one night. Woke up the next day and felt like a million bucks, man. I I felt amazing. Could be could be in the dosage. I mean, again, when we come sure. to states, how big the portions you guys have over there. <laughs> I went to New York. I couldn't believe even the same chains that you have in the UK are just so much bigger. Um, insane, man. But yeah, I I feel the same way about Australia. I'm a big fan of uh, the food over there. So have you been to us? No, I've never been never been down under, man. Ever. Uh, the step. Beyond is the food quality in Australia. It's way better. And the coffee. Wow. Wonder yeah. why that is. Is it just because of the local sourced or like what is what is the reason? I think about maybe a bit of culture as well. Like you go to Australia, you will come back a coffee snob. Even mm-hmm. at a nice place in Europe, you'll be like, you call this coffee? I'm gonna uh, dump out my Starbucks. Hold on a second. <laughs> oh, I, I go I go to Starbucks now. It's only just a good place to have Wi-Fi and a good table at a good height. What they sell is coffee. I mean the size of the large Starbucks coffees, if something needs to be that big to wake me up, then I'm blaming Starbucks, not the fact that I need that much caffeine to function. <laughs> so are you in Australia now? Where are you? Are you in London or? I'm in London at the moment um, because I've got a lot of stuff going on with the book tour in a few weeks. Mm. We've got some uh, kind of PR stuff leading up to that. Um, so it's good to be kind of on the ground, although middle of bloody winter so it's a bit shit but uh very unfortunately the, the majority of australia is on fire right now i saw uh, that yeah the bushfires are crazy so uh you know although it's literally my favorite place in the world um part of me is kind of grateful that i'm not there at the moment while it's all going on um i mean people are you know they're losing their homes and stuff over it it's, it's really mm. crazy um it's really bad yeah, I had a few people I was supposed to speak with over the past couple of weeks uh, from Australia for different different reasons, but a couple of them couldn't even make the call because they were trying to relocate uh, and out of harm's way, I guess, right from from the spread of this of this fire. I didn't realize it was that serious until I started doing my research, and I realized that there are people literally like stranded on a beach, hoping that the fire doesn't uh, encircle them and stuff. Right? I think um, it's already three times bigger than the Californian fires. Jesus Christ. How did, how did that happen? Do you know? I mean, so uh, it's, it's going to be tied in with climate change. I mean, Australia's just had the hottest and driest October in history. I mean, it was ridiculously hot. And the year before when I was there, I was wearing a hoodie. And then you think about cigarette butt in one place, arson in another. And now all these bushfires, I think there was like 80 going on at the same time. And now they're starting to meet in very windy conditions. I'm no geologist, but I think that if you've got a lot of fire and heat somewhere, as that heat rises, you're going to draw in winds from uh, outside and it's just going to get worse and worse. Uh, so I think it's a mixture of a lot of things, but it's something that every kind of park you go to in Australia, that are, oh yeah, there's going to be a risk of bushfire, like high mm. risk, low risk. Um, and I don't think the government have really done as much as they could have to support it. So it's not, it's not a case of putting them out anymore. It's a case of letting it run its toll and mm. uh, just burn out. And I think they're just going to try and save as many homes as they can. That's unbelievable, man. So I guess you're, you're pausing your, <laughs> your trip back to Australia until things die down. I've got, um, I've got to go back on the 1st of February. They reckon tomorrow, mm. uh, the 4th of January is going to be probably the worst day so far. Um, so I'm just hoping uh, as much can be done as possible. I mean, I donated to a few uh, charities, but with something that size, it's going to be very difficult. So I think there's definitely going to be a, a very bittersweet, kind of uh 
process when I do arrive back in Australia. I think that even now in New Zealand, people in New Zealand are complaining about the fire, uh, about the smoke. Jesus Christ. Mm. It's absolutely horrible, man. I mean, I have, uh, we, we actually, so I don't know if you know, well, Jason Momoa is an actor, um, but he did a lot of work down in Australia for Aquaman. And I guess they're getting ready to film the sequel. So I have friends that are supposed to be relocating there to film who work with him and uh, do things on set and whatnot. And they're saying they're holding that up too because of this, which is crazy, man. The sky, it, it's like, it's not cloudy. The sky is just covered in smoke. So the sun looks red. In the middle yeah, of the I was going to say the pictures look like, uh, it's like uh, the endless summer picture, <laughs> right? Yeah. Where it's like red yeah. and yellow and everything. It's like yeah. crazy, man. It's hard to believe. I mean, uh, pff, absurd. So you, you had a, a pretty intense... 2019 i mean i i must say your your social media i'm a, I'm a huge fan um also also your emails are are hilarious i actually <laughs> i had some time to kill while we were getting ready and i, I read your latest one and i'm just over here dying laughing it's i'm a massive fan man it's, it's hilarious been meaning to connect with you for for a while um but i know 2019 it seemed like you had tremendous growth man how was your year overall like what was it like yeah, pretty, uh, pretty hectic. I mean, uh, growth on social media definitely is, is something where um, <clears throat> it's something I always aim for, but I don't let it ever become a metric for success because I know plenty of people with bigger followings than me that still promote protein on a supplement stall at fitness expos. Mm. Um, not that that's a bad thing, but it goes to show that some people chase the following and they don't really get the life that you would expect from it. Um, and just a lot of opportunities. And I mean, uh, looking, it's very easy to connect the dots from the outside, but some of the best opportunities came from doing little events like, uh, the Ted talk for me was massive. I mean, yeah, I saw that. there are some idiots that get given Ted talks and I've watched some of them, but <laughs> just to have that is, is kind of cool. And that stemmed, I believe from doing a very small talk at university. Um, and really this year it wasn't about doing big things. It was about doing small things. I think that all the big things that have happened have occurred from doing the small things. So, um, yeah, like, uh, calling it the 1%, the 1% and doing those little things here and there have really brought about quite a lot. And I mean, um, from launching the app, uh, doing some very good talks, uh, building socials and then, uh, writing a book as well, which was, uh, a very interesting process. I didn't find it too difficult. So, um, uh, yeah, I want to hear yeah. about that. I wrote a book a couple of years ago and for me, I've always been a writer, so I really enjoyed writing, uh, and that part was easy, but the whole putting the book together, right, like organizing yeah. it and making sure it was like that, that part was a lot more tedious than I anticipated. How, how was it for you? Because you said it's easier than you thought. So uh, luckily for me, I had a fantastic editor called Lydia, who uh, is at HarperCollins, and I was just throwing her text, content, anecdotes, topics, and then she was on the bombardment of categorizing it and then sending it back and being like, okay, and it was amazing to have another set of eyes on it where someone goes, this makes sense to you. It makes sense to me, but it's not going to make sense to Linda from Norwich. So I'd go away and I'd be like, shit, I've just written 3000 more words, which should have been there in the first place. Um, then it was good for them to say, you've repeated yourself here. You don't need to do this. We need a bit more of this. And then for me, they would just crack the whip and whatever topics they wanted, I'd just go out and, and I'd write it all. And then seeing it come together was amazing. And there was a few times where they're like, okay, we're going to move this bit and do this. Um, but for me, like, uh, I could have carried on writing. I was doing about 5,000 words a day at one point. Oh um, my goodness. Yeah. It was, and I, I was enjoying the process. Uh, yeah. and it was one of those things like, uh, with email marketing, you can sometimes write an email that only really picks up traction halfway through. 
Mm. And then you keep going with it and you go to the beginning and delete the, the first part because it didn't really make any sense. <laughs> right. So um, we did a lot of that and then I came back and I rewrote the beginning of the book. And mm. um, yeah, at the end of it, it, it didn't feel real until I recorded the audio book. So when I was writing, I was saying to people, I was like, oh, I, I can't be happy till it's finished. And then when it's finished, I was like, I can't be happy till I've recorded the audio book. Then since recording that, now I've just got the anxiety of the release day and, and everything like that. So maybe I won't be able to be happy until it's all blown over. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Don't worry, a... soon, you, soon you'll be just getting requests to write a second book and you'll be like, damn. Like... <laughs> I might just bunch together all my emails and that can be book two. Like, I was going to say, yeah. Might might have to have uh, a mature rating on some of them, but yeah, I think I think today was a double double dildo slapping one. Which <laughs> yeah, personal anecdote. There you go again. Yeah, uh, I was I was trying to recreate in this email uh, today about like something that could hit you in the face, and I remember at a rugby tournament in the UK maybe five six years ago, someone had a double ended dildo and just whacked me in it, and it hurt. I was like, cool, that's carrying some some it's got some weight. Yeah. So I was like, that's going in. And I was like, do you know what? Some people might not get the anecdote, but that's cool. <laughs> no, it was, it was hilarious. So the book, what is the book about actually? Cause I know it's called not another diet book, right? Yeah. So, um, not a diet book was to me about there's, there's enough diet books out there and they're like, you know, bunching recipes and workouts together, which is fine if that's what the audience needs. But I'm a big believer that people don't overeat because they're gluttonous or, you know, because they want to be obese. And I, I feel that we need to draw the line back a bit. And I'm sure you've experienced this when, when you train people, you're not just talking about food and exercise. You're like, how's your relationship? How's your job? Mm. And then people go, Oh, you know, my job's killing me at the moment. I'm not getting on with my partner. We're just living in the same house. And suddenly you start to identify all these kind of cues as to you shouldn't be in that relationship. You need to change jobs. And even for me, not that I'm a relationship expert or a, you know, uh, an expert in the field of uh, professional life, but in my own life, I've made decisions like moving back in with my parents when I was 26 was mm. amazing. Literally drawing the line with relationships and identifying in professional life where I was happy and where I wasn't. And the fitness thing all just came together off the back of that. And I wanted to share those experiences where they do get the education about how all diets work the same way, what bullshit's out there and, and what the kind of underlying factors are. But at the same time, you know, uh, there's a part in the book where I have a part about whether or not they should be in their relationship. And if someone survives that chapter and still has a partner at the end of it, they should be in a relationship. <laughs> and then at the end of it, I'm like, Hey, before you're worried about going dating, let me tell you about the time that I used to knock on doors for a living. Mm. And when I talk about that, I was like, look, you knock on enough doors, you make a sale you make enough sales based on how many doors you knock on. And I was like, there's no escape in that. So then it kind of bolsters the whole being single scared of moving on with a personal anecdote of me knocking on doors. And suddenly people are like, Oh, do you know what? This isn't as daunting as I feel. So the book's all about that. Um, it's got probably imagine what you, you get someone to read it and they can walk through any American gym, Australian gym, British gym, and no matter what personal trainers say to them, they're like, well, that's not true, is it? Mm. Oh, you know, autophagy. Well, I actually know about autophagy. I read about it in the book. I don't think I should be losing sleep about it. Someone <laughs> else says, you should try this fasting protocol. They're like, that's just one way to create a deficit. So it's kind of like giving people this knowledge so that no matter from what background they are, they, they understand. Then they're going to say to their friends, look, you can eat breakfast tomorrow on Saturday. It's not going to harm your fat loss. Maybe just get your step count above 15,000 steps. Don't worry about it. Mm. And uh, then they'll start saying to people, well, James says in his book, 
you're only in your relationship based on the amount of time you've already been in the relationship. And then there's going to be like a lot of kind of brain farts occurring everywhere. I love so, that, man. I, I think it's so important. And it's one of the reasons why I'm a fan of yours, but you know, talking about fitness, of course you talk about fitness related topics on a frequent basis, right? You talk about calories, you talk about female training versus male training, a lot of different things that are, are important, but the most important thing that you talk about is the mental side, right? The side of like, Hey, is it even a good time to start a diet, right? Am I even ready to jump into transforming my body? Cause man, I'm unhappy as shit at home. I hate my job. My dog shits on the floor every day. Like I can't even get my own shit together. Why would I create more stress in my life by trying to follow some fad or some stupid workout plan that somebody does? It's like if everybody took that approach, they would start to build a much stronger foundation that they can then build their, their fitness house on. Yeah, I've, I've said this, uh, I said it yesterday on a video where someone was like, I've just had a kid, just had a baby. Uh, I'm struggling with what exercise I should be doing at home. I was like, look, maybe for that first year that you've got a kid, just go for a walk every day. A 45 minute, one hour walk. Are you going to get a banging set of glutes from it? Probably not, but it's something you can do every day. You can become, it can become a habit. You can listen to an audio book that distracts you from your baby that's crying all the time. Go out do that and then we'll build on that because when your baby's one it might have a sleep cycle that you can work around and then your husband might be like more proficient at changing diapers or whatever it is and like we there will come a point where you set that and six months in they're like i want to train once a week you're like cool let's do it and you know instead of saying to someone oh well doing tabata is actually the best thing for you because <laughs> this person's just had a kid they're knackered they're being woken up at seven intervals a night tabata is not the solution um yeah, the rest period they're going to fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're going to burn themselves out in the first week and then end up doing nothing. So, yeah, I'm definitely uh, like a realist. Where, hey, look, you've sent me a picture of Kim Kardashian. You are <laughs> fucking dreaming. One, send me a picture of someone better. Two, you just had a fucking child. Three, let's set some proper goals. Can you go for a walk? And people are like, oh, my knees hurt from jumping lunges. Or maybe don't do fucking jumping lunges. Hmm. People are like, oh, that's good advice. <laughs> oh, but I want to lose weight. We'll implement a deficit and go for a walk. Will that work? Yes. And we'll build on top of it when you can. It's crazy yeah. that some people lack that kind of pragmatism. Well, common sense isn't common, right? And, and it's unfortunate. And it's one of those like mysteries to me even still sometimes because I think, how do we get so far off the path of just basic common sense, especially with fitness and health? It's, it's such a simple thing, right? It, it, can be, it can be a simple thing. However, it's become such a difficult thing, right, for so many people. I know it's a lot of information overload. It's a lot of marketing. It's a lot of noise, blah, 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 blah. But it's become almost really almost impossible for people to think for themselves, man. Like what, why, why is that? Do you think? I think people are just very easily influenced. I think that this has happened. This isn't something new as well. Like with religions, right? Pagans, then uh, people come along. They're like, actually this, 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 and people suddenly devote their whole life to it. And then, you know, with religion, uh, with uh, nutrition, dieting, things like that, it, everyone's become into their own religions of, you know, veganism, fasting, you know, all of these kind of things. And people are so strong about their beliefs. It's become, it's become a competition to see how many people we can convert. Yeah. Uh, similar to how it was with religions. Like, you know, everyone wanted yeah. them to be on side. Let's, let's make a cult. Um, and then I think just how, how easy it is to impression. Well, look at Netflix, for instance. The sugar film made everyone anti-sugar. 
Game changers made everyone pro-vegan. You know, whichever way you look, you're two hours away from brainwashing someone into something. I mean, look at the amount of flat earthers we have. There are people disputing <laughs> the right. fucking shape of the earth. And then you, look, you get them, you're like, look at the moon, yeah? What shape is that? It's round. Mm. Why would the earth be any different? No, 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 no. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. What, what Slow down, man. <laughs> it's round. Okay. Yep. Right. So telescope. Let's look at all these different things that are round. Sure. So um, I think humans are just fucking idiots that crave to belong to something. Mm. And I think the stupid fucking fatty trends are something that's still... Yeah, people love it. Yeah, it's, it's like... Uh... It's like that car crash or train crash. There's an analogy. It's like people can't look away from chaos. And it's almost like they, they subconsciously almost crave that, that like, I'm going to try this. And I kind of subconsciously know I'm not, this isn't going to work. Right. But it's, it just sounds like an experience and something exciting that maybe there's a 2% chance. It's like the movie Dumb and Dumber, right? Where he's like one in a million. One in a, one in ten million, like and she's she's like no, never, or, or he's, she's like more like one in a hundred million. He's like, oh, so you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. It's like uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it's like. And again, when people look at other people's success, they're like, oh, I must have got lucky. Mm. Or you know, when you build a following, someone's like, what was your viral video? You're like, what do you mean, fucking viral video? This is five years of hard work, you cheeky bastard. <laughs> and like you say, people see people in shape, they're like, oh what soup have you been drinking or you know what what supplements do you take you're like bro yeah. what, what whey protein do you take yeah and you're like mate i've been training 10 years like oh no 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 it couldn't have been the 10 years he's got better genetics than me mm -hmm. or whatever it is so um yeah people just get pretty sidetracked and i think I humans break that by nature i see that a lot with uh now with social media right so i have people reach out to me and talk about you know, hey, how, how did you grow your following? Or how do you think so-and-so grew, grew their following? Do you think they just hit a viral video or did they, you know, have the right connections and somehow beat the algorithm or something like that? And I see, honestly, most of the successful people I know online, like our friend Jay Alderton, right? They work tirelessly for a very long period of time, like decades, you know what I mean? And, and they failed so many fucking times. And I tell people all the time, like I didn't, I used to be 80 pounds overweight. You know, I, I didn't have this thing figured out from birth, man. Like this thing wasn't handed to me in like a, like my father handed me like my, my rite of passage. Like, here you go. Here's your book on calories. Like that never happened. It's, it's exactly that. And interesting enough, I think why there's um, quite a bit of excitement about the app TikTok at the moment. Oh yeah. I'm addicted, man. It's bad. But it's crazy. <laughs> My feet have taken like two hours now because I'm oh, on TikTok. My, you, I can't feel my feet. Um, <laughs> But like, someone can post their first video and get a million views. Never has this happened before. Yep. Now people are thinking, hold on, this isn't going to take years. In a few weeks, I could become famous. Yeah. And I think that's the excitement that people want with everything in life, where they think they can, you know, work around it. But it's unfortunate, not the way. I know. I tell people all the time, there's so, there are a lot of things you can speed up. Like TikTok, I went from zero to like almost 8,000 followers in like three weeks, right? Like big fucking deal, right? Luckily, I'm experienced enough to know that this is, uh, by the time it really calms down, you probably need like <laughs> 2 million followers to be considered in the top 5%, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, there are certain things in life that you honestly really can't speed up. Yeah. Uh, I think relationships are probably one of them. 
right? Building really strong relationships, becoming a, a parent for the first time. You're not going to be an expert no matter how many fucking books you read, man. It's just not possible. And, and getting in shape. That's one too. You really can't speed it up. There's only so much you can do scientifically to get into, be- into better shape and to keep that. I think um, one of the, my biggest qualms is where people set the finish point as well. Mm. Where people are like, okay, I'm here. I want to be here. And a lot of the time you're like, you don't really want to be here. Because the dude on men's health, he's not even that fucking happy. He's mm. paranoid, obsessed, insecure. He's worried that if he eats a fucking donut, that he's going to lose his sponsorship deals. What people want to be is here. And suddenly when you say to them, you're like, here, mate, you're probably not going to have any abs, but you're going to have a good fucking social life. You can mm. deadlift twice your body weight. Like, so I think a lot of the battle as well is people learning that they don't need to get here because people feel they're disheartened. It's because their journey is short. It's, they think it's longer than it really is. Absolutely. And that brings up a good point. So we're, we're at the beginning of the new year, right? And as is every fitness professional, I feel like on earth right now, we're getting hit with a lot of you know, people who are motivated, at least a little bit more motivated uh, to make a change. It's also the start of a new decade. So it feels a little bit more powerful than your standard run-of-the-mill new year, right? As somebody who preaches some incredibly quality advice like yourself, how would you help somebody who says, hey, man, you know, I want to make this year the fucking year that I finally get my, myself together. I finally get in shape and I can go into 2021 feeling really confident with myself, right? What, what are some of the things you recommend as a starting point uh, for people? Because, you know, people ask all the time, like, where do I start? What do I do? What are some of the, how, how should I approach this this time so that I don't fuck up in three weeks? <clears throat> I think, um, you know, not ever, I, I don't even really like it when people have a set end goal. Just identify micro targets. So this is what I do on a daily basis. So say to them, your target is your first kilogram of fat loss or your first tangible progression in the gym, whether it's one more chin up or more weight or whatever. And then maybe address the first chapter that you're going to read in a new book that you haven't read. Then start planning your time towards that. Whether that chapter takes two days, a week, two weeks, whether that chin ups takes a day, five days, three weeks, um, you know, wherever that first kilogram of loss, whatever happens, I feel that people just need to have a very blinkered approach. Mm. Just do that. And then they come back, they go, I haven't hit it. No, you haven't hit it yet. Go back to work. Oh, you know, I still haven't hit it yet. Cool. Well, let's maybe look at addressing this or addressing this. And let's maybe look at time management. And I think that one of my keys to kind of success is always being blinkered, looking at the next thing. That next thing is only going to take a certain period of time. Nothing else is really important apart from that. Oh, hey man, can you do 10 chin-ups? I'm on my way. And I think that uh, as James Clear says in Atomic Habits, people just need to be more, far more concerned with their trajectory than their current position. Mm. And if you have a trajectory that you're aiming towards, that shouldn't be kind of quantified into the calendar year. So, hey mate, whatever's happened, happened, put it behind you. Give me a goal. Give me several goals to start working towards them. By next December, these goals are probably going to slow down, plateau, move backwards a bit, but that doesn't change the direction you're moving in, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think too, those, because self-belief, right, is really ultimately one of the biggest fuel sources when it comes to reaching your goals. And if you have this big, you know, I want to lose 30 pounds or whatever that is in kilos, right? Uh, 
that seems a little bit far off. And, and it also, it's like, you know, someone told me, Hey, you're going to fly to the moon and I've never even been in an airplane. Like I, I'm like, oh, it's never going to fucking happen. You know, even if it's subconsciously, I might be motivated. It's the new year. And yeah. Okay. I can do it. And rah, rah, or whatever. As soon as the work starts to kick in and I lost half a pound in three weeks, I go, man, I don't know if this is ever going to work. But if I, if my goal is to lose half a pound, well, all of a sudden I have the belief that I can do it. hundred percent. People are so fixated and going, oh, I've got, I've got 20 pounds to lose. You're like, well, you don't, you have, you have one to lose. Mm. And then, then what? Well, one more. And these micro goals are much more manageable. Um, you know, I remember saving money when I was younger, you know, I think I was trying to save up like a hundred pounds. It's like a hundred dollars. Yeah. Then I put it away. Then it was the next hundred pounds. I put it away. And it was only ever about those little, well, for me, it was a lot of money, but still it made it so much easier to manage. If I tried to save a thousand or 2000 or 10,000 to buy a car or whatever, suddenly you don't get any gratification. I think now is a time more than ever that we are obsessed with instant gratification. Yeah. Instagram, I mean, it's right there. Instagram, bang, like refresh, 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 Amazon prime tomorrow, Netflix, why right now, yeah. fuck me, Netflix. I told you 10 seconds ago, I wanted to watch a two hour movie. Why haven't you loaded yet? You know, like, um, <laughs> it's Deliveroo. what do you mean? 10 minutes? I've just ordered it. But like, you know, you would queue in line for 10 minutes at a fish and chip shop back in the day. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I, I, I found myself, it's funny. I got pissed the other day because, uh, there was a streaming service that we found that streams movies in theaters illegally. So if anybody's listening to this, I'm hopefully not going to get caught, but stream movies that are out, right. That I, I have two kids. I don't have time to go to the movie theater. Right. And here I am, I, I scroll through the list of movies and there's one movie that they didn't have that I wanted to see. Right. That just, I guess just came out and I found myself getting irritated. <laughs> like how fucking dare they not have this shit. Right? Yeah. But it's only been out for a day. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't even be watching it anyway, but here I am getting worked up about it. And my wife's like, what do you mean? There's 20 other movies out that we could watch. And I'm That's like, not the one I want to watch. <laughs> right. Yeah. What service um, is this? Meanwhile, it's free. <laughs> yeah. Humans are pretty fucked at the moment, I think. And, you know, before uh, what my dad said something to me where he goes, in his day, if something was broke, you fixed it. In this day, if something's broke, you want a new one. Mm. And Shit. people, yeah, people now are just like, like they can do that with anything in their life. I mean, before the internet, I'm sure it'd be very difficult to go dating and find someone. Now all you need is Hinge or Tinder or Bumble, and you're two hours of swiping away from going on a drink with going for a drink with a stranger. So you know everything's so instant now that it makes things a lot more uh, kind of accessible. So yeah, I think human nature is changing faster than the way we're programmed. Speaking of your dad, how do you, or what do you credit? Cause you have pretty good common sense, like a pretty level head. You're younger than me. I'm pretty sure I, I could be wrong, but, um, you're, you're not the typical, what do they call it? Millennial, right? At least that's the stereotype. I don't know. If, I've met a lot of millennials who are not the typical millennial who are awesome people, right? Fucking love them. But now that, that phrase has started to describe like a lazy kind of like every entitled, everything should be quick and easy what do you credit your common sense and work ethic to? Cause obviously you have both. Probably, um, mild man. So my dad, that's what we call him. in the UK. <laughs> uh, Nice. He, uh, he commuted an hour to work on the train and back every day f- for 50 years to the same company, which is, you know, pretty decent. And, um, yeah. just little things where like, he's never wanted more than what he has, which I think he's why he's a very happy man. Mm. Um, and to him, the most important thing is maybe getting the check when you buy dinner. And that's it really, you know, like, um, so from him, 
I, I understood that he's he's done a lot more than I have. The way I see it, he had to sit on a fucking train. They they didn't have phones for most of that. So he had to read a paper standing on a train in rush hour going into London, not living in London. Mm. And then I was like, oh fuck, that's how you make it to the top. And um, yeah, you know, um, my upbringing isn't. I've I've never had a tough time growing up, but I've never been entitled. When I was uh, this is in the book actually, when I was twenty one, I was like, oh dad, I'm not employed kind of need a little bit of help he was like oh good go to the job center i was like what do you mean mm. he was like you can go on the dole you can go on benefits and i was like surely not i was like we live in a four-bedroom house in berkshire and he's like yeah go get fucking go on the dole go sign on to benefits so i went to the job center at 21 and i was thinking oh god i never went to private school or anything for anyone thinking that i'm rich or anything yeah. but it was just that they, they never really were like, we're not going to give you handouts. You can go get a job and I'll start knocking on doors as I, as I said before. So I think it was good in that sense where they never would have let me feel entitled. Uh, and yeah, everyone that does well works hard. There's no way about that. And I think that some people in this day and age just make it look like they don't work hard. Absolutely. Logan Paul. Oh man. He works his ass off though. I know him. Hustler. Yeah. Absolute hustler. And I know his brother too. They both work tirelessly. And people from the outside go, fuck, these guys have a few viral vines or a few viral YouTubes. Like, no, sure. these guys are fucking going at it. They had the audacity to pay people to film them. Content, 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 content. Um, they just had like a million pay-per-views or something for his boxing match. Crazy. I mean, who does that besides, besides maybe Floyd Mayweather? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, come on, man. It's actually mad that like... Um, if you put out good content, you can make other other millennials happy through yeah. it. You can do whatever. And uh, I think it, it's kind of a very magical time to live in. I think Gary Vaynerchuk is very big onto that, where he's like, this has never been a, a time before. Where, and this is the thing, I suppose. The millennial thing is that in an age where anyone, that Charlie girl from TikTok has got 15 million followers. She's 15. Yeah. A 15-year-old can make themselves world famous but a lot of people are using this as an opportunity to do nothing. Mm. So I think there's a, a, a big pool of consumers and a big pool of creators. Uh, another reason why I kind of like TikTok is that consumers can become creators in a very easy way. And you don't need to be big, athletic. You just need to be able to express yourself and jump on them. Yeah, trends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's one of those... Um, I learned from an early age playing sports that uh, sometimes success uh, can be one of the uh, biggest hurdles for a lot of people. Reason being, same with fitness, right? So you start to lose weight and you drop, you know, five, 10 pounds and you start to say, yeah, I can do whatever I want now. You know, I, I've made it, you know, I, this is easy, right? It starts to feel easier and you start to forget about some of the things that took you there. Just like I tell people all the time who ask me, Hey, how did you start a podcast and how did you get bigger names on your show? And I say, listen, the names you're seeing today are because of the work I did a year ago, right? The, it's the work I did two years ago. It's the work I did three years before that. It's not because I just hit up James Smith and said, Hey man, which by the way, I kind of did. I just said, Hey, come on my show. But I, I wouldn't be able to say that unless I had the confidence to get someone on my show that because of the work I've done, same with all these, these social media platforms that are blowing up. It's easy though, for a lot of people to get success a little bit, right. And think, ah, that's it. The work's done, man. I'm good. You know, I got 10,000 followers in a week. I'm see ya. I'm going to go retire. That's, think, that's um, one of the things that we can fall victim to pretty quick. A good thing is that I think that when creators see each other with 
big social media followings. We don't give a fuck about the followings. We just see an equal pairing of hard work. Yeah. Um, and it's funny you say that. Another chapter in the book is about, it's about metabolic adaptation, which a lot of people confuse as starvation mode. But I say to people, before I talk to you about metabolic adaptation, why don't we uncover the fact that your ego has probably intervened here? To the fact that you think you're good at dieting now. You think you're good at dieting. You think you're good at training. You think you warrant a fucking morning off here and there. You think you warrant to have a takeout and you can burn it off. And it's actually people's attitudes that misalign. And uh, have you ever read any of Ryan Holiday's stuff? Oh, absolutely. Ego's the enemy? Yeah. Ego's the enemy. If you start to believe the story you tell yourself about your success, it's the beginning of the undoing of, of what you've created. So Believe your own hype. Yeah. So I completely agree with you on that. Yeah. It's a, it's an incredible thing. Um, how, what do you, so the state of the fitness industry right now, I mean, we still got a bunch of nonsense out there and I don't know if we'll ever completely get rid of all the bullshit. Uh, there's always going to be something new popping up like carnivore diets, kind of the newest thing that I've seen. Veganism is now exploded. None of those, I guess at the base of those ideas or philosophies are necessarily bad if used appropriately. The problem is I feel like we're taking a solution that probably applies to maybe less than 1% of people and trying to make it a 100% solution, right? What do you feel like is the state today for the fitness industry as a whole, for the consumer, right? Going into the industry and saying, who do I trust? What do I do? Like, how do I figure out who to follow, who to take you know, the advice from and whatnot? I think everyone's agendas have been, not everyone, a large percentage of smart-minded people have taken the agenda away from getting people in better shape or healthier or both. Now, veganism is a fantastic cause. And the people that do it from an ethical standpoint, that's great. But Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where people should be making their mind up themselves through Mm -hmm. personal experience. Same way that if someone wants to, you know, convert to Islam or, you know, become a Muslim or whatever it is like uh, Sonny Bill Williams, mm. fantastic New Zealand rugby player. Like they, they should go on a journey down themselves and discover what they want to do. And veganism, I think a lot of people, personality traits, animal lovers, whatever. Great. But what you've seen now is some smart people clock on, they go, Hmm, let's buy shares in vegan supplements. Let's open vegan restaurants. Then let's put out propaganda, which, pro benefits your agenda Mm. whether it's supplements restaurants or whatever you put out propaganda saying to men you're not going to get an erection if you eat meat you're going to get more footfall coming through your online stores everything absolutely and we become very distracted from the the main thing we're really looking to do which was to get people healthier and the same with a lot of fitness trends and things like that everyone just wants a flash in the pan to make the money and, and leave And it's so easy to see that from the outset. I mean, some people in the UK industry who had such a grip on the fitness industry at some point, they make a lot of money and on their way out, it honestly seems like they're not even bothered. Mm. They're not even clawing to remain or stay in the marketplace because they've made their money. They transition into other things, selling other stupid stuff. I mean, we've got one in the UK that sells pots and pans. And you're like, is this your last ditch attempt at fucking making money? I think you I know who that is. <laughs> came on the scene as a boot camp PT. Yeah. You know, apparently you made a shit ton of money too. I know exactly what you're talking about. But yeah. Now suddenly you're a, you're an expert in baby nutrition. Because <laughs> he had a baby, right? Hands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he takes his own life and tries to turn it into a marketing scheme. Yeah. And it's like, fucking crazy. 
yeah, it's me. Like, oh, excellent. And again, <laughs> anyone, anyone should know this, right? 99% of really good fucking personal trainers in their first five to 10 years, barely fucking cook. And if we do, we cook some boring shit, chicken and fucking veg, microwave probably both of them because we are too busy hustling. Yep. Too busy in the gym, too busy eating fucking chocolate covered rice cakes and drinking protein shakes because we're trying to get that 10,000 hours under the belt. At no point do you have the luxury of becoming a fucking chef. No, I remember, dude, the, when I became a PT, which was uh, 15 years ago, those first three years were the unhealthiest phase of my life. I had no sleep. Uh, I was burning the candle at both ends and yeah. I was eating probably takeout once a day and then throwing together some bullshit bland, whatever I could never felt worse in my life those first three years, but I was also grinding, right? Training 10 people a day, you know, which wasn't great, but it was, it got me the experience that I needed for now. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I never once that I have time to sit down and make a fucking <laughs> more, more than three ingredients. And I said, fuck that. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, you know, people again with their own agenda, don't count calories because I'm selling a fucking cookbook. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Don't shit on someone else's parade. Right. And again, um, it's one of those things where no PT's like, oh, I've done 50 hours of training this week. This basil coriander blend <laughs> with the slow cooker. You're like, come on, bro. Who are you fucking kidding? That's not you. A bit like um, when James Wilkes defended the game changers on uh, Joe Rogan. Mm. Come on. At least make it seem like you haven't been prepped by a professional right. team. Because you changed your tune a lot from other media exposure. And, you know, it, now we just have faces that are portraying other people's agendas. And in, I suppose one V-shred, one high converting <laughs> fucking advert on social yep. media making millions. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you couldn't get one good advert in the paper and make millions. Mm. And people were a lot more honest. But yeah, now it's fucking... Well, now anybody with abs is trying to make a buck, right? Yeah. And I'm like, half these motherfuckers, if you see them in person, they look like they've never lifted weights in their life. They just take their shirt off and they happen to be skinny, right? Good for them, right? No, not, not going to body shame you, but I'm just going to tell you that that's not the person who you're going to want to really pay attention to in terms of giving you the blueprint. It's like, um, you know, I could Photoshop myself into climbing Mount Everest, right? And I may have climbed a, a couple mountains in my life, nothing crazy, but I'm not going to go climb Mount Everest without someone who's done it quite a bit more than me. And if you take advice from someone who's never, never had, never even gone down the process of helping other people, let alone themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, a bit like Chris Emsworth mm. launching his fitness app. I downloaded yeah, it. He's not on it. <laughs> of course not. And then uh, people like Zac Efron, right? People go, he's in such good shape. You're like, well, no, no, he's, he, I don't disagree. He's just lean. Yeah, he's small. And he would have been dieted for 15 weeks before this film. Mm. And inevitably after this, he's not going to look like that. Absolutely not. Like, uh, yeah, like you say, and for any PT, they have 20 weeks out their life, social occasions, and they get a photo shoot. They get fucking 2,000 photos in a day. And then start parading. That's how they always look. I mean, if I paraded photos from being on holiday all the time, you'd probably think I lived a great fucking life. That's not... (laughs) That's not how it is. Mate, your tan is amazing all year round. Well, no, they're just my holiday photos, you know. (laughs) This Um, is a 24-hour period. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that is another thing that uh, often people get misled about, yeah. 
Yeah, that's why I, I, as a personal decision, have decided not to, you know, occasionally I'll show that I walk the walk, right? I mean, after all, I do, but I'm not the guy who's going to get you to buy into my philosophies by showing you my, my abs and my bulge, right? Like, that's not, that's just not who, I can't sleep at night. I don't want to show my kids like, hey, daddy just, all I did was walk around shirtless all day. Like, that, that's not even my life, you know, that doesn't even, that's not even how it works, and I gain weight. In, in certain periods of the year, right? That's, that's realistic. But it's also, I think, you know, it's the, sh- it's the long-term play, right? It's the long-term play. It's, it's, you may not buy my fucking cookbook today because I'm not clickbaiting you, right? But three years from now, after you've tried everything, you're going to come back and say, you were fucking right all along, man. I'm such an idiot. Here's, here's, here's all my money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, right? I, I think um, it is, yeah, just about uh, relationships with people. And again, yeah. um, I think that that's the important part that no one should ever judge your credentials for taking your shirt off. But, and even, you know, it's mad that your solicitor, your lawyer, your doctor, your nurse, whoever it is, you would never judge them on their physique and their ability to do their job. But in fitness, we strangely do. And I don't think everyone does need to walk the walk. There is a certain realm Mm. where it should be perfectly acceptable. And like we've both agreed, the periods in which you work and perform your best as a businessman, you do not perform your best as an athlete. True. And if you park your businessman athlete to the side, when you're your best husband or father, you're often not your best businessman or best athlete either. Could so, not agree more. Yeah, couldn't so, agree more. And then that's, that's another big elephant in the room. Oh, mate, you're looking a bit porky. Kids are fucking happy. Wife's happy. Made good money last month. Fuck off. You know what I mean? I know. Some of my friends and I, we joke around and say, if you want to know if I'm doing well money-wise, look at my physique. (laughs) If I'm a little bit fatter, the bank account's fatter. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. Because I'm putting more time. Everybody thinks they have an unlimited supply of willpower, right? And in fact, we just don't. I had two little boys 18 months apart. And truth be told, there's no way in hell I can maintain a shredded physique when I'm changing diapers, sleeping three hours a night, helping my wife with everything and trying to build a business at the same time. Of course, I'm not going to be able to eat my meals on time, train perfectly, and count every macro. That's just, it doesn't work. Uh, otherwise, I'd be an awful husband and I'd probably be divorced, right? And so, yeah, yeah you're, you have to understand that there, yeah, you might have like uh, stop gaps where it's like, okay, I'm not going to allow myself to get this crazy, right? And start eating fucking fuck all and hate myself. But I'm also not going to worry about landing men's health, right? That, that's not, that doesn't going to serve, that's not going to serve me right now. Uh, and so many people miss that boat. It, it's all or nothing, you know? 100%. 100%. Uh, what are you most excited about in 2020? Oh, um, the book, uh, what the book brings. I think that um, it's one thing being recognized as a loud mouth, potty mouth Instagrammer, but maybe being an author could add some gravitas to get some more potential reach. Like some of the fucking dimwits we have on TV in the UK, uh, one chick went on. I said, oh, don't eat before you train because you won't be able to burn fat. And she was like, instead have a Diet Coke because it's got caffeine in it. <laughs> I'm like, this is mainstream TV. And she's a dietitian. She's a fucking knob. And I was like, hopefully, off the back end of the book, I can get on there and be like, that fucking idiot is chatting shit. Um, so I'd like to do that as much as I can, really. Not even from a narcissistic standpoint. I just want people to go, you, were, you helped me out with that. So 2020 moving forward, Book is a big one. Uh, just educating a lot of people. Um, I can't wait for someone to come up to me and say, James, your book really helped me. Mm. And 
the end of the day, the book's 10 pounds. So maybe like 12, 15 US dollars. Yeah. There's a lot of information in it for that. And I think that as a coach, I'm sure you agree. In the onset of personal training, we feel like fucking frauds. Mm. We are yep. charging through the arse for an hour of our time. So uh, yeah, for me doing that, uh, in my head, my vision board, I'd love to go on Joe Rogan. Oh, it's amazing, man. If, um, if I could uh, get on that, that'd be hey. my year made. You're just a couple steps away by being on my show, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, no, not, not true. There's actually some truth to that. I have friends who are best friends with him. So yeah, oh, you know, that'd be awesome. I'm gonna, I'm, oh, I should have brought a joint and some uh, magic mushrooms. And yeah, I've, yeah. I've got my blue belt in jiu-jitsu. So I'm, I'm getting oh, close. Oh, there you go. You know so, Joe uh, Rogan's 52 years old? Yeah, he's a fucking legend. That's fucking and, amazing. And some of his, he'd probably get a bit weirded out if he found out I listened to him when I fall asleep each night. But um, <laughs> I'm also his guest, mate, 15 minute timer on the iPhone and a good podcast, better than Valium, Diazepam, anything. Absolutely. I'm, I'm got now, even if I'm dating a chick, you get in bed and I'm like, <laughs> so I'm about to listen to a podcast to fall asleep. And they're like, what? And I'm like, you can pick a topic. We can go Neil deGrasse Tyson, talk about space. We yeah. go Eddie Bravo, talk about flat earth. UFC. Brian Cox, fancy it? You know, like I got all these lined up. And um, people are like, what the fuck, what's wrong with you? But, um, and if I wake up in the middle of the night, little 15 minute timer, a little bit quiet, I'm gone. Oh, it's beautiful, man. I got to try that actually. Cause I've been trying to, it's hard when you have so much going on. Cause his podcast episodes are really the only ones I listen to besides my friends over at Mind Pump. Um, but they're long, man. They're like, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. So it takes me like a week to get through <laughs> some of them. And then I'm like, minutes. fuck, there's like 10 more in the hopper now. You know when it's like 9 p.m. and you're like, I want to go to bed at 10. And then you're like, because nine's too early, but 10's good. Yeah. Sometimes nine o'clock, I'm like, well, James, 30 minute timer it is. I'm there. I never make it through. And before I know it, I wake up and I was like, fuck, I went to bed at nine o'clock. So having something to go to sleep for, because your, your biggest concern is going to sleep at nine that you won't fall asleep. And if yeah. you don't fall asleep with a 30 minute timer, that's good. Because yeah, you're like, yeah. I'm absorbing knowledge right now. Oh, it's beautiful. It's like you're learning for the day. It could be reading or it could be listening to a podcast. It's the same thing. Yeah. So, do, you, um, do you know uh, Zuby? Do you know who Zuby is? No. Uh, okay. He's a London-based uh, rapper. Uh, he went on Rogan. Uh, he was just on Rogan. I want to say it was a week after he went on my podcast, but he's a good friend of mine. He came to DC and uh, he, he went on Rogan. You know how he got on? He just reached out to him. Simple. He was like, hey, I'm a, I'm a London-based rapper. I'm a... Uh, uh, I don't know. He wrote a book on fitness too. And uh, Rogan thought he was interesting enough. He brought him on. Simple as that. I was like, hey, if you never ask, the answer is always no, man. <laughs> yeah, B. BRB. BRB. <laughs> right. DMing Rogan now. <laughs> yeah. I'll tweet him as well. That's um, awesome. Yes. Yeah. That'd, be, that'd be phenomenal. When are you coming to the States or are you coming to the States? Uh, I've got February. I go to Oz. March, I'm in Bali for about three weeks. So I'm probably after March, I'd like to come across, I'd like to meet everyone, even if yeah, I don't end up doing podcasts and go see Jordan Syatt in New York, go see Brett oh, yeah. in Diego. Um, I'll do a round. And then uh, the Mind Pump guys, Yeah, uh, they're not far from San Diego, are they? They're, uh, they're in San Jose, which is um, Northern California. San Diego is Southern California. Okay. Well, no further than a day's drive away. Yeah. And then I'm just going to plump myself into U.S., and get pulled in all kinds of different directions. And just awesome, man. So come, probably come just to Washington, D.C. That's, that's where I'm based out of. You can see all the, 
monuments and Donald Trump and all the bullshit and whatever. That would I, I'll hook you up with with a bunch of stuff. I think I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to do Smiths on tour, go around the states like an unofficial one, and um, yeah, just come come by and go for some beers with some people. Beautiful that's, man. That's really my that that's my thing. People are like do you want to work out? I'm like no, nah, let's get a beer. <laughs> Who works out when you go on fucking trips, dude? That's exactly. <laughs> there's too much to do, man. Exactly. So. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. I, I appreciate you taking some time to come on the show, man. Um, Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Where where can people order the book and where can people connect with you? All my socials. I'm at James Smith PT. I wish that I didn't have to have PT at the end, but being called James Smith, I unfortunately do. Um, and there will be links across all socials to get the book, usually a link in bio. So keep it real simple. Put in the most common name in the world. If I don't come up, add PT, which is my profession. And then it's pretty straightforward from there. That's amazing. It's funny. This morning I told my videographer, I said, hey, I'm having uh, James Smith on the show today. He goes, that's, that's a much less common name than your name. Because <laughs> my name's Josiah. It's like, yeah, you're right. I guess never thought when of I it. When I check into hotels, they're like, name? I'm like, James. They're like, surname? I'm like, Smith. And they're like, <laughs> sure. They give you the yeah. wink like, I remember yeah, we're gonna uh, need a credit card. We're gonna need a credit card on file, mate. It's like those celebrities that they use their surname, right? Or, or they use like a, a fake name. I remember, uh, I don't know if you know who Michael Vick is, former quarterback over here in the United States for whatever. He was super famous, but he, whenever he'd go to the doctor or hotel, his name was Ron Mexico. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> my, my alter ego is, uh, oh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, you know Talladega Knights? Of course. Oh, Ricky Bobby? Yeah, we got Ricky Bobby, then uh, Cal Norton uh, Jr., Mike Honcho, that's the name. <laughs> Mike Honcho. So that's, like, oh, it's a great movie. One of the best. He's like, hey, man, I spread my ass cheeks. Playbill <laughs> Magazine is Mike Honcho. Uh, so if someone's like, you need a spare name, I'm like, yeah, Mike Honcho. <laughs> Everybody needs a spare name. Everybody. Amazing. That's a life tip. Awesome, man. Well, hey, appreciate you coming on, brother. And uh, like I said, I'm a big fan of your stuff. So keep doing what you're doing, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the True Transformation Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review and subscribe to the show. True Transformation.